Ainsley um, didn't have David with her and she was going home to an empty house that he followed her home to make sure that she was okay. And as he said that, I really felt to, to say, you know, sometimes people are alone in life. You can feel very alone even when you're in a, a large group of people. You can feel very alone in a huge family. But in the same way that that rod, rod but when Rod followed um, Ainsley home, it really spoke to me really, really strongly of the Father, the Father heart of God. And that even though sometimes you can't feel him, you can't see him, you can't sense him, and there's a sense of, of being alone, there's an aloneness that comes that the Father is there. He actually follows you home to make sure that you're okay. That's the Father, that's the God that we serve. He is absolutely amazing. The depth of his love for you, for me, his beloved. He actually calls us his beloveds. He does, isn't that amazing? Hello, beloveds. <laughs> nice to see you. So my name is Pekka Walters. Um, I'm 58 years old. I'm um, from New Zealand, I'm part Māori, part European, Irish guys, I don't know if that's a good mix or not, I'm unsure. Um, I have a very large family, I'm the youngest, I'm, I'm the 13th child wow. uh, um, of my family, although it's a very reconstituted family, my mum was married three times. So the whole idea of reconstituted families and being the youngest and being in a big family is pretty normal to me. Um, we got saved when I was 21, six months after we got married, and um, God called us to himself. You know, people go, he called us to the mission field, he called us to be pastors, what, no, no, he just called us to himself, that's all we heard. Um, we were quite crazy, like we could not get enough of the word of God. Honestly, I, I tell people, we, we attended Bible college twice a week, even though it was only on once a week. Okay, so we went to one place to do the, the Bible college and then to another place to do the same Bible college. We finished the course in 18 months instead of three years because we were just desperate to be filled. <coughs> Having said that, we weren't that overly educated in the Christianese stuff, you know, and so I used to take a notebook along with me and I'd write down the words that I didn't understand, because they used to use really pretty big words, you know, sanctify. I mean, I thought that was some kind of band. I had no idea that it was a word that described something. Goodness me. So I'd write down all these fancy words, and I'd go back, and, I, and I'd, I'd fill in the blank spaces, and we would fill in the blank spaces. Um, one thing was absolutely certain for us, we'd watch pastors, and we just saw the stuff that they do, and we decided when we first got saved, it might have been about six weeks into our salvation, that we were never going to be pastors. <laughs> Don't want to be a pastor. Not too bad with the evangelism stuff and the worship stuff, you know, but the pastor stuff, definitely no. But, just telling you guys now, what you choose to do and what you're gifted to do um, quite different. <laughs> you know, I keep, we live our lives and we you want know, to be a rock star. I always wanted to be a rock star. And I ended up a pastor. <laughs> How strange is that? 
I didn't end up becoming a pastor because I wanted to be a pastor. But as I grew in God, I would just pass the people. You know, pastor is like father. Okay, I was mother. And um, I just would gather people. And I cared for them. It took us a long time to have children. I was actually told I couldn't have kids. So 21, we got married. And, and well, I didn't have my first son until I was 29. But at, by that stage, I had a whole heap of teenagers that used to come and live at our house and um, it was just part of who we were that we gathered. We had no idea at the time that it meant that, you know, we had a pastoral heart because no, no, we're not pastors, no. We went off to Bible college, we're going to be missionaries, uh, went to Faith Bible College in, in um, Tauranga and we did our, our, our Keith's and I idea of following God was a bit strange, okay? So we went to Bible college because we thought about going to Bible college and we made some um, inquiries and Faith Bible College sent us a prospectus and an entrance form with, oh, hallelujah, that's the sign from the Lord, let's go there. So we did. That's how we went. It was absolutely the best time we spent two years there and um, we did our missionary trip in Mexico. Um, while in Mexico, um, we, we, I met the Canadian ambassador. How crazy is that? Met the Canadian ambassador. Got invited to their place for, for um, dinner. And, you know, it was the weirdest thing. So we went to church. They were part of the church. They invited us to dinner. So we're in Mexico. We'd never travelled anywhere before in our whole life. So that alone was crazy. We're in Mexico and we're invited to dinner at the Canadian ambassador's house. Woo! So we arrive at this, this guarded gate community that was on like a cliffside, drive in, do the circular drive thing, and someone comes out and takes our car. Like, oh, I wonder if they know that you have to push stuff that to get back to us. Okay, that'll be interesting. Walk up, you know, the knock on, we, we were going to knock on the door, but the door opened, you know, so oh, they're, they're waiting for us. And we step into this foyer with this beautiful um, fountain, and then off to the left um, is, is a, um, an elevator. And then in front of us is this wall of glass that looked out over Mexico City. Go to the elevator. Like, it was just, like, really surreal. We go down... Um, into their lounge area. Absolutely this amazing house. Okay, I'm from Otara. Okay? I got born and, and bred and brought up in, in quite a... Um, we weren't poor. At least I didn't think we were poor. We never went without food or anything. But, you know, like, like having a fountain in the foyer was big for me. I mean, just having the guy drive my car away, I'm like... So go to the elevator, get downstairs, and we led to this amazing um, table, and um, the butler, oh that's right, the butler took my jacket, and I'm like, because you know it's like one of those comedy movies, this guy comes up to take my jacket, I'm like, hey, thank you, give me my jacket, and, oh, butler, oh, yeah, I, I do this all the time, <laughs> no, so we sat down to have dinner, and Keith and I, kids from Ojo, were sitting at the dinner table with the Canadian ambassador and all these other guys, I think they had the head of the city bank there, and these really, really flash people, and I'm, I'm in my heart, I'm going, oh my God, what am I doing here? Mm. You know, it's that thing. Mm. 
and sorry, guys, go. What are we supposed to do? Sat down to dinner, we got served the, the, um, <laughs> the butler comes and stands, I think on your right or your left side, right side? Anyway, he goes and stands on the particular side and he offers you the plate and you take what you want and you put it on your plate. So we'd been in, in, in Mexico for like about eight weeks, okay? And um, we hadn't seen meat for quite a long time because we got told not to eat meat there because it could make you sick, blah, blah, blah. So we're at the splash page and we're thinking, meat! Because <laughs> you know, New Zealanders eat a lot of meat. So I think, meat, oh great. So the guy comes and stands next to Keith and Keith grabs two pieces and I grab two pieces. And as they go around, you notice that everyone else is own, that they come up to us and they only grab one. And we realise, oh, we'll be greedy. Oh, <laughs> so the two of us are trying to figure out how to get the meat back into the serving bowl. I'm telling you the story because I'm nobody. Honest to God, um, if you Google me, you'll probably see me come up on the Ignite Life website. It's okay. I don't mind. It's all right. When I was a child, I went through a terrible time when um, I felt like a nobody. And I would say to myself, you're a nothing and a nobody. So it doesn't matter what happens. Um, was I abused? No, I wasn't actually. But my life felt very, very small, and um, I didn't want to be noticed. I really didn't want to be noticed. Having said that, God gave me a voice to sing, and just stuff happened, I guess. And um, I was led by God to sing at a lot of crusades and stuff in New Zealand. Not that really that famous. Did an album that Keith paid for with blood, sweat and tears, and... And um, one of the songs got on the Radio Rima list and all that kind of stuff. But in my heart of hearts, I always felt like I was a nothing and a nobody. And it used to make me feel less than. But it's okay, I've been set free from that. And I've come to understand that it's actually okay to decrease in yourself <coughs> so that God can become more enlarged <coughs> in you. That's great. Okay, I've come to understand that. So I stand before you today, having, having lived a whole bunch of crazy stories, met the Canadian um, ambassador, the head of the city bank in Mexico City, and we're sitting at the table. The ambassador introduces me to his wife, and she announces that she's a very, quite a famous opera singer. I'm not allowed to say who at the moment, okay? But, um, and they called me there today to sing to them for my supper. And I'm thinking, oh, you man. are kidding me. <laughs> You're kidding me. These people, they go and watch, they go to see operas and ballet. You know, and they want me to sing to them. I mean, do you understand that I like, I, I write songs and they're quite sort of modern and R&B. And, and, you, and you've got this lady here and you want me to sing. And I was so scared. I was just so, so scared. It actually put me off dinner. I didn't even eat the piece of meat that I got. <laughs> so um, we had dinner and I sat down and I wrote, I'd written a song about the name of Jesus and I sung it to them. And the anointing came and the Holy Spirit touched their hearts and they cried, please note I've got no makeup on this morning. Mm. Okay, the reason I've got no makeup on this morning is because I knew that I would leak. <laughs> What's leaking me? I don't really cry. 
all right? I can't really say it's like the sobbing thing that goes on because I feel real sad or anything, but when the Holy Spirit comes on me, it comes out, he comes out my eyes. <laughs> my physical reaction is to cry. And I learned that most, the first time was in that particular place where um, I'm trying to sing and I got overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and I just cried. At the same time, everyone around me was crying. <laughs> Why am I telling you stories? Because stories matter. Within each of you, you have incidents and happenstances where God has touched your life. Where um, he may have healed you. He may have set you free. It might be when you first came to know him. It might be a story that you tell where your child did a certain something and you were touched. But every single one of you contains a myriad of stories within your life that when you take them out of this bag that is, these are the stories of my life, they can actually touch other people. Um, I'm trying to, in our, in our Ignite movement, to change the word evangelism to witnessing because it doesn't say to go therefore into the world and evangelise. It says go therefore into the world to make disciples. Um, Acts tells us to go forth and witness. What is a witness? Can anyone tell me? That's too shy. <laughs> a witness in a court, in a court case, it's a legal thing. You can be a, like a witness in a court case. A witness is somebody who's seen something that they know to be true. And they, they speak about and they tell the story of what it is that they've seen. And nobody can actually say, oh no, that's not, not right, because the person that's, that's who's saying it says, no, it is, I saw it. Mm. I actually lived this. This is my story. Don't you try and tell me I didn't live it. I did. And in us, we have those witnessing stories that were placed there by God, and I believe they were placed there so that you could learn to share the gospel in a way that is not weird. Okay, when we say evangelism, I spoke about this yesterday. When we speak about evangelism, <coughs> you know, corner street shouting person got two minutes to get the word of God into them before they pass you by. I, I know this stuff because that's what my husband does. There are some people who are actually gifted, really gifted to do that stuff, really. But I'm not gifted in that area and I'm just a very ordinary person. But I know what I'm gifted in is telling stories. You know when you sit around the table and you're... Um, chilling out with family and friends, what do we do? We tell stories. We tell stories that make us laugh, or make us laugh at somebody. <laughs> you know, especially when you've got families, I don't know about you guys, but when our family gets together, I've got four kids, and um, three of them are married. I feel so sorry for my sons-in-law and my daughter-in-laws, because my kids just can go for for, you know, for an hour just laughing and joking, telling jokes and winding each other up. You know, winding each other up. And it's such a natural flow. There's an ebb and flow for it. When we witness, we can do the same thing. We get together or we might meet somebody on a train or you might be talking to somebody at work. And, and my challenge to you as a church and my challenge to all the people that I've been working with is think about the stories that you have and store them up and when God gives you the right moment, and if you ask him to, he will actually provide you with the moment to share your witness. That's good. That's good. Okay, so I'm, I'm, that's my introduction. I'm going to sit down now.
healing stories. I better tell you that one too. So, so you know why I'm sitting down. Um, about 13 years ago, I had a really bad accident. I, I tumbled down the staircase of the house that we lived in in New Zealand, and um, on the fall, I managed, managed to compound fracture my ankle and really mess up my knee and my hip and my leg and all that kind of stuff. They raced me <coughs> funny story again. You know, they, they, I'm, I'm like, I'm such a big girl. You know, God, I'm such a big girl. And they sent these really little tiny people in an ambulance to get, <laughs> to get into the ambulance. And I'm thinking, I'm, and I'm, I'm in pain and I'm worried about the ambulance people. I think I must have been a little bit delirious or something. Anyway, they filled me up full of painkiller. I don't know what it was. It could have been... Um, or something, and, and the pain seemed to disappear as so I'm going, it's okay, you don't have to carry me. I'll just hop. I'll hop over there. I'm looking, then I looked down at my foot, and my foot was actually pointing backwards. Oh, <laughs> oh look at that. Oh, gosh. If you hold the foot and just give me a bit of pain, I can hop. I can hop to the ambulance. Anyway, the result of that was that um, I got quite a badly damaged leg. And when they put it all back together again at the fancy hospital in, in Tauranga, the guy said to me, you know, um, as time goes by and arthritis sets in, um, you, you'll more than likely lose the ability to walk. And I'm thinking, thanks, I think. And then I thought, no, I am a, I am a servant of the Most High God. I'm just going to walk and we'll just see what happens. So when we arrived in, in Australia, I was limping a little bit. Um, after about the first two years, I was limping a lot. And so um, prior to February last year, I'd been in a wheelchair for about 18 months. And I'd been told by the specialist that unless some kind of amazing thing happened, um, they can replace my hip joints that had gotten quite arthritic, but they would not be able to actually fix the, um, the <coughs> torn ligaments and whatever else had happened with my leg. Um, but God had other plans. Um, so I had to sit sometimes <coughs> to rest because I've been out of the wheelchair only since about <coughs> December last year, so bear with me. Okay. I'm working on, on, the, um, on the strength aspect, okay? So um, my life, that's me. I just told you, this is me. I'm not anyone super famous, and that's fine. And um, I love this expression. It's, um, I think it's from Mother Teresa, but I have to check it out. I love it, because she says, um, I'm but a breath in the nostrils of God. Okay, It's okay. I love it. If God wants to breathe me, he can breathe me any day. So, if you just bow your heads, I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Lord God, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for this people. Thank you, Lord God, for this leadership. And thank you, Lord God, for the time that you have given me to share what you are putting on my heart. I pray that, Lord God, it would go forth and plant itself deep in the hearts of this people. That, Lord God, you can lead and guide them to whatever it is that you have called them to do. And that, Father, they would do it faithfully, passionately, and with joy in their hearts. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 <coughs> so, um, 
I want to talk about growing. About growing. We are designed by God to receive the seed of his word. Amen? So someone shared the gospel with you, or they may have just spoken a story to you, or you may have noticed that there was something different about their life and you wanted a bit, you wanted to get in on it. How, how you got saved was um, not some happenstance thing. It was something that God had preordained. He planted a seed in your heart. And why did he plant the seed in your heart? What is the function of a seed? Can anyone tell me? To grow. To grow. So, Ignite Life Church. Um, I've got an acronym. I feel really good because I'm not really that great at, at um, <coughs> academic type things. I can be if I choose to be, but I've got an acronym, GROW. The first one is Get On Board. The second one is Run With The Vision. The third one is Open Your Spiritual Eyes. And the fourth one is Widen Your Tent Pairs. <coughs> Biologically speaking, okay, I found this out on Google. <laughs> Something about Google. Actually, I've got this program called Logos, and I looked it up there, and that came up at the same thing. Biologically speaking, our bodies grow until we reach puberty. Did you know that? At which time our body cells stop growing, and puberty um, is recognised as a time when, when we can reproduce, which really, really interests me, considering I'm wanting to talk about reproduction and growth. Okay? So it's really interesting. So God produced our bodies <coughs> to grow to a certain point until we can actually reproduce. And then from then on, I think it's, a, what is it, our feet, hair and nose or something? Yeah. There's only... Oh, yeah, we use grow too. Yeah. And nose. You know, like, like if you dig people up, their nose is like about that long. Like I don't know. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Um, but um, we are designed by God to actually grow... And then we're designed to mature. Okay? Does that... See, I, I was really good then. I didn't say grow old, all right? I have another message. i just got to tell you guys, you know you're going to die, eh? Yep. So it's, you know, it sounds so depressing. It really does. Never used to sound depressing when I was like about 14 to about 25, and then you're getting 30, and then you're 40, and then you're 15. It's like, oh God, oh God, oh God. But guess what? Death's not a scary thing. Don't be frightened by it. It's just the thing. It's not controlled by Satan. This is controlled by God. Don't get scared of it. You can talk to God about that stuff. Anyway, it's totally <clears throat> off track. So the first thing I want to talk about is, is you as a church. Okay, you are not... Rod touched on it. You're not a happenstance. You know, he, they didn't just have a good idea, and, oh, heck, let's start a church here. There was a lot of thought a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking to plant a church in this particular place. With, I mean, I don't know. Were you, how many people were here at the beginning? Anyone put their hands up? Great. How cool is that? So all you other guys, guess what? God planted this place just for you as well. Does that, for me, I, I say to people, um, so this church was conceived in the heart of God before it was actually planted in your leaders here. Oh, 
lovely. <coughs> it's, it's not a strange accident that happened. You are here by the purposes of God. I love it. I just love that stuff. So, um, one of the things about getting on board with a church, it's really hard to run with the vision of a church if you're not really sure what that vision is. So I'm just going to go through the updated version of Ignite Life Churches. Okay. Um, when we first planted the church, uh, oh, no, actually, when we first took over the church in Yarrawonga, God gave us a vision to have five churches. Um, that was nine and a half years ago. And there are five churches now. There's um, three in Australia. There's one in Yarrawonga, one in Cobham, which is about 20 minutes away from Yarrawonga, and um, Pimpana Gold Coast, which is like a long, long way away. <laughs> um, we had a church going in Melbourne, but they, they're taking a season break because they're actually reforming what they want to do and what they believe church is about. So um, they're sort of on a break. Um, they're still meeting, but it's... Quite, it's a bit like watching a cauldron bubbling. They keep coming up with all these great ideas, but they haven't exactly put down exactly what they want to do yet. But that's okay. God's in it. Um, then we have two churches in Uganda. Did you guys know that you've got sister churches in Africa? There's one in Kampala. They have around about 60 people, adults that go, and about, I don't know, between 15 and 25 children that attend. And um, they started with about six of them, so they've been going for a while. And then we have a church in Wherry, which is where we did the original plant, but it went a bit haywire for a while. Church politics, you know, all that stuff. And they have over 250 um, people in their church now. Um, the building's actually not quite big enough for them. We're going to have to think about either starting another church or doing something else. There's also a Bible college there. That was started a year ago, and in April this year, we had the first graduation class of 35 um, graduates who received their diplomas. In Africa, um, the government is passing, I don't know if it's actually passed yet, but they're passing a law saying that all ministers and pastors in Uganda must have um, a qualification from a registered Bible college by some... Well, actually, by the by, the hand of God, we there are only two two Bible colleges at the moment in Uganda that can do them, and we're one of them. Praise God. Guess what? <laughs> you guys are changing the, the, the <coughs> landscape of a whole a whole nation. Oh, blows my mind. How good is God? Mm. How good is God? So when you guys do all the Africa stuff, trust me, it makes a difference. You have been instrumental in changing the destiny of not just one or two people, but actually a whole village in the surrounding community. We, you, you were part of, of supporting a, um, a pre-primary school there. So it's a pre-school and primary school. school. They had uh, around about 390 students, started off with 35. There's a whole um, school there with, I think, eight classrooms. Um, can anyone tell me how many teachers we have? Because that's the bit I'm not sure about. I think it's like 12. 12 teachers. Um, and I know that you guys are supporting one. Um, these are things that happened because of God's will that we just happened to be a part of. And how did we get to be a part of it? Because we followed hard after God. When Keith and I first got saved, one of the things that we made very, very apparent, the very first thing that we said, was that if we're going to be 
Christians, you know, it's so boring being a Christian, you know, what are we going to do now? You can't go party, I suppose we go to the park. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, you know, oh, can't go to the movies because, you know, oh, there's terrible stuff there. Oh. And I was, you know, in, in my head, I was thinking, oh, we're Christians, right, okay, but if I'm going to be a Christian, it's all or nothing. I refuse to, to do this thing half-heartedly, and we have never, ever changed. It has always been all or nothing for Keith and I. So we actually reached the goal of the five churches and we've re-expanded the vision and you guys are all part of it, so I'm just going to quickly put it, put it to you. This is our new mission statement. I've got to find it, Pika. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Do I play? Okay, cool, got it. So this is your kind of new mission statement. It used to be... Disciples making disciples, training world-class leaders for the harvest. Um, we've kind of expanded a bit because we're actually, we don't, we don't feel we have a new vision. It's not a new vision. You know, we want to keep doing what we're doing, but just more of it, I guess. So, um, and this is our <coughs> mission statement. It's about what we see in the future and how we're going to do it as well. I've been getting trained by Pastor Rod. I don't know if you guys have got any idea how blessed you are. He's, you know, the fact that he wanted to be an Ignite Life minister totally blew our minds, actually. (coughs) What? Okay. So, to love God and love people, we're a church, or you're a church of disciples making disciples, training leaders to transform the world, for the kingdom of God. Firstly, to love God and love people by making <coughs> Jesus the centre of what we do. We love people. I mean, I absolutely love coming up here and doing this stuff. I feel so privileged to be able to do it. It kind of makes me get shaky sometimes, so if you see me shiver, that's why. Um, it is our purpose to point people to Jesus. That's why we meet as a body. That's why Jesus is here. It's it's meant to be exciting. Um, the life that we live was given to us by God, and John 10, 10 tells us that it's meant to be a life of abundance. Mm. It's, a, it's an adventure, you know. Don't get scared off and be frightened to do stuff. Just reach out and do it. We've had, we have a team that goes to Africa every year, and, the, and we have people that come from New Zealand to join us. Um, we have people who come from other parts of the country. The next um, trip that we do, Keith's going to send the details to you guys to see if you want to do it. He does a real cheap deal too. My husband's real good at that stuff. <laughs> and it's like, I think the last time we went was like $3,200 to fly from Australia. I don't know how much it is from the Gold Coast. We'll have to work that out. But um, to fly to Africa for 10 days and it, and it includes all your accommodation. You just have to pay for your food and if you want to buy things, basically. And, it, um, and transport. So it's pretty good. Um, we stay in hotels that are really nice and then we say, if, if you go to the villages that we go to, some of them don't really have hotels, truly. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't live in glass huts, it's okay. Um, we have a, a connection with the Catholic Church over there that allows us to use their, um, 
It used to be a Catholic um, nunnery where they train their novitiates, and they don't do that over there anymore. They they do it in a different place. So they they rent the accommodation. Out, so that's a by the by. I'm raving, aren't I? Sorry. Um, so to love God and love people by making Jesus the centre on purpose and pointing people to Him. One of the things that I have learned as a pastor, see, I trained as a counsellor, did the whole psychology thing and, and did all these special things to make me this amazing counsellor. And I came to this, this conclusion that um, I can spend years digging down into a person's life to help get them free from the things that have bound them up. But God can come in and he just goes, he goes, oh, that's where that thing came and he pulls it out and it just goes away. So what takes me years to do, when I point people to Jesus, he can do it in minutes. It just it used to blow my mind. When I discovered it, it was like, whoa, power of God. But by making Jesus the centre on purpose, making God the centre and pointing people to Jesus, you will see huge change. The next thing is we're a church. Ecclesia, the, the, the um, meaning of the word ecclesia or church is a group, a group of called out ones who meet together regularly. And I'm just going to say something. If you think for one minute that attending a church once a month, getting a top up on God and going home and he's going to fulfill all the things that he's going to fulfill in you, you am dreaming. <laughs> what does somebody look like who only gets fed once a month? <laughs> An anorexic baby or dead. Yeah, being honest, it's really true. It is important for you as a body of believers to stir one another up, to get excited about meeting together. You know, meet together regularly. Regularly means not once a month. Remember, skinny person dead or fervent meeting each week and maybe during the week as well. You will find that the power of God will move and change you when you do stuff irregularly. You want to know why? Why we are beings that grow? What goes in comes out. How basic is that? But you know, we forget as believers sometimes what goes in. I love watching movies. I do. Guess what my favourite ones are? Superman type one, you know, DC, Marvel, oh, yeah, I should get over that pecker. It's either that or I really, really like kids' movies because I've got a grandson and I don't have any choice. But what, if, if all I did was, if all I ever did was watch those sort of movies, I'd be a bit odd because that's what I feed myself with. So meeting together regularly is just so important as a church because if you want to grow as a church, you need to be growing as individual members as well. Yeah. Okay? So that's we're a church of disciples making disciples. A disciple is a personal follower of Christ. We're a church. I don't need to say a personal follower of whoever it is that you're following. Because we follow Christ. Hello? Yeah. And um, it is really, really important that we are disciples that are passing on what, what we know. Do you know children can disciple? Yeah. Did you know that? Excuse me, if children can disciple, why is it that some of us as adults don't? No kidding. Um, my son was five years old. He went to school for three months. And he made a best friend that is still his best friend. He's 20, 
seven years old, be 28 soon. And um, this young man got saved because my son said to him, you need Jesus in your life if you want to have real fun. At five years old, you need Jesus in your life if you want to have real fun. And he, 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 they, they stood there. His mother was not even saved, mate. And his, him and his the boy's mother and father were divorced, and she was absolutely shocked. They were playing together, and they'd known each other for a few weeks. And my son said, "Oh, you need Jesus. Um, I'll pray for you." And then he led him to the Lord. When she told me, I just, I could not believe it. Guess what, guys, kids imbibe what you do. Mm. And you know that thing of um, I want my child to grow up mighty and strong, to never ever lie, to stand firm on the things of God and to know his word. And if you don't if you don't do that, neither will they. That's good, yeah. As as disciples, the people who follow you, who follow Christ will do all the things that you teach them to do. And um, you might not like this, guys. Uh, I'm going to say it. If you don't like something <coughs> in the disciples that you're making, you better have a real good check about yourself. Mm. Okay? Just say. Get involved and attend regularly So this for this thing so you can grow in the things of God. Yeah. Um, if I had known what what God had intended for Keith and I years ago, I'd have said, no, thank you. Because I'd have been too scared. I was quite a fearful person. Um, we're a church of disciples making disciples, training leaders to transform the world. Every, you know, I, I tell these people, I tell all my guys, every person has, has within them the ability to lead. If you're a mother, you're a leader. If you're a father, you're a leader. Hey, guess what, guys? If you're an aunt, you're a leader. If you're an uncle, you're a leader. If you're a person that you've got any children invited in and around your life, you're leading them just by the things that you do. And what better way to lead them than to teach them to be followers of Christ? But how do we do that? We just live it. You just pursue God. That's all you've got to do. Pursue Him. You will transform as you allow Him to dig deeper into your life. Um, to touch your heart in ways that you never ever thought that you could possibly allow somebody to come that close to. Even as husbands and wives, husbands and wives know each other really, really well. But even your husband or your wife, your children will never know the depth of who you are because that depth can only be shared by God. Did you know that? Um, we don't even do it on purpose. We just do. But the God who created us and knows us so well is, is wanting to constantly draw us into his presence and into his heart so that we can know the greatness of the love that he has for us. Which brings us to the last thing, training leaders to transform the world for the kingdom of God. Because it's the kingdom of God that truly cares about us as people. Because he knows the very depth of who we are. It's the kingdom of God and the king, our God, 
who loves us so much that he moulds around us circumstances to bring us to him, constantly reminding us of who he is. But it's not just about who he is, it's about who we are called to be in him. How many people know the story of Gideon? Okay, I'll just tell you the, the opening lines of, of that story. <coughs> Gideon, thy mighty man of valour, and he's, in, in a, he's hiding um, from the enemy, threshing wheat. You know what threshing wheat is? You throw it up in the air and, and it blows all the chaff out and then what's left is what you grind to make into flour, right? So he's, he's hiding and you can bet your bottom dollar that when he's tossing he isn't throwing it high because he doesn't want the, the, the bad, bad guys to see him and come and steal his food off him. So he's in there hiding away, sort of, don't go too high, don't go too high, no! Absolutely terrified because he's terrified that he's going to get killed for the small amount of food that he's making. Mm. Oh. My little pears. Gideon, thou mighty man of valour. You know, I thought valour was, was like that. Sorry, this is this, so when I was growing up, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly well educated, but I thought valour was like, you know, that, that material that's oh, like velvet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, something that he was wearing. So that's actually, that's how I first studied that, that scripture. I was a fairly new Christian. And I studied it and, and it, it's changed and it's constantly revolutionised my life because it wasn't the soft stuff. It was a guy that was full of courage. And I read the story and I read the story and I kept thinking to myself, oh, the angel must have got it wrong. Because there's no way that he was a man of, of strength and character and, and bravery at that stage. And, and as time's gone by, I've learned that when God looks at us, he sees all that we can be in him. So when he calls out to you and he says, you know, um, um, Pekka, um, leader of churches, if he'd have said that to me earlier, I'd have gone, oh, definitely there's something wrong with this. I don't know what it is. You know, I would not be able to see it because I was not like that. The first prophetic word that I got, I can, I can tell you what it is now. This is the prophetic word. Saved for like about two months and they baptised us. As I'm coming up out of the water, the pastor goes, you will be like a tree planted by um, living waters and your branches will spread wide and you, you will be a place where people can come and take protection and there will be many people that do, us, do that. And, and you will be... a of meek heart, <laughs> sorry, I've got to laugh. You will be of meek heart and meek spirit, and and people will know the love of God when they come to you. I was not like that. I'm, I mean, I'm quite vivacious in that now, and I was then, but I was not meek. I I was the youngest in a family of thirteen, whose father, my father, adored me. I was so spoiled. I really was. I just thought the world was put there for my pleasure. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was not what you would call a meek person. You know, and, and of quiet and gentle spirit. <laughs> I had no idea how to be quiet. I've learned, as I've allowed God to touch my heart, that he knew better than I did. He knew better than I did. So... Do you want to say it with me? It's up there. All together. One, two, three. To love God and love people. We're a church of disciples making disciples. 
training leaders to transform the world for the kingdom of God. That is you guys. That is you guys. This is my gift to you. That is you. You are disciples making disciples, training leaders to transform the world for the kingdom of God. That is what you're doing. That is actually what you're doing. I don't have to write that up there to tell you that is what you're doing. You can choose to do it or you can run for 20 years like I did and then suddenly find yourself in the exact spot that God wanted you to be in the first place and everything um, spread out. I just want to read you a scripture. Um, how many people have a message Bible? I'll do more phone. Okay, so I'll just read it out to you. Is that all right? Yep. Um, this is the beginning of what changed how we were going to um, do some of the things that we, we, we're now going to do because we've reached the five churches and it feels like we've accomplished what God gave us to do and now it's time to move on and do more. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 11 to 13. So that's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 verses 11 to 13. I'm reading out of the message Bible because it, it makes a really great message. Dear, dear Ignite Life Pimpana, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallest you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Um, I changed the I changed the the name. You know, he's talking to the Corinthians, but he's you know this is God speaking to us. His heart is that we live these great big, wide open, expansive lives. That's actually what his heart is. Okay, and and you you are on board. Do you guys like the vision? Yeah. The yeah. mission statement. <laughs> Okay, the mission statement. I love it because it's actually not that hard to do. All you've got to do is follow God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, the next one, run with the vision, Habakkuk 2.2, 2, um, the New Living Testament version. So that's Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The first one was... Um, I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord will tell me to say and what answer he will give to my complaint. And um, the answer was this. this: You guys are birthed of God's answer to Rod and Jeanette. Um, the next one is um, writing the vision down or putting it in such a way that you guys get it. I'm is this okay? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I worry because sometimes I get carried away and I'm trying really hard to go fast. Before the development of telecommunications and high-speed internet, so um, prior to and up to World War One, during battles, and um, in the middle of battle, communication, even though they did have those, those, those phones that they had, in World War One they still used runners. And right up until then, that's how they controlled battles. They used banners and signals and runners to give detailed information to um, to the, the different uh, commands that were being, um, or the, I'd call them fronts, the different fronts that, that were, were being attacked or were attacking. Okay. Um, the commanders would send the messages um, 
during the battle to let the officers know what was going on and what to look for, when to attack and when to pull back so that you didn't all die. That's basically what it was about, you know, so that people didn't die. So in battles, um, pe you, you lose people. In battle, um, people get hurt um, and they're wounded. In battle, um, uh, people don't even have to suffer physical wounds to be wounded. You know that post-traumatic syndrome, mm -hmm. stress. Okay, it's the same in in life as Christians, um, because whether you like it or not, the minute that you become a born-again Christian, you enter into a battle. The battle is between good and evil. The, the battle is between Satan and the devil. Blah 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 blah. But your whole life, whether you know it or not, is 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 a battle. It doesn't mean that you're always at war or, or having to be battling. But it's really, really important for you to know what the message is that you carry. Because the message you carry may be a message that will save somebody. The message that you carry may be a message that, that um, encourages somebody. The message that you carry may be something that will um, actually stop someone from committing suicide because they think they're a nobody or nothing without knowing that God loves them. See, these are the things, knowing the message that you carry. What's the message that you carry? The Word of God in Matthew 28 says, Go ye therefore into all the world, um, preach the gospel, um, teaching people. And I love the bit where it says, What I have commanded you. The Lord that we serve is an extremely personal God. How many people know that? He knows everything about us. And when it says, teaching and preaching or speaking what I have commanded you, the way that you got saved and the way that you process the information that God has given you, the way that, that the word moves in you and the way it comes out of you is actually deeply personal. Mm. Because the God that we serve is not a God that makes robots. I know that, that there is this thing that kind of sweeps through each movement. It's either the ACC or it might be the C3 movements where the leaders all seem to get, get together and decide. That's really hilarious. Have you ever noticed that you go to a... a um, I'm not sure if I'm being cheeky, but I'm going to just say it. You go to a conference and all the pastors, the lead pastors, all dress the same way. Have you ever noticed that? You know, at one stage, you were not a real cool beanbag, you know, big man of God. We had a brown leather jacket and the jeans and the t-shirt. That was really cool. At the moment, it's designer jeans and shoes. And you know, there's a whole website. Who was it that was telling me about this website that, that's, that's um, dedicated to naming the designer shoes that the fancy pastors wear? It just cracks me up. Yeah, it's like, and it's true. It's true. You go to the conference and everybody's wearing shirts that are no longer tucked in because that's really uncool. They're out. It's usually like a floral or a really unusual <coughs> pattern shirt. Jeans, runners, but not that not allowed to be just, you know, runners. You don't run and you sit, well, some of them do actually, honestly. Um, but they all wear the every now and again we wear this this uniform. Yet the God who called us is interested in every detail in our life and he is incredibly well aware that we're all different. Yeah. So the message that he places in you, is it Pepe? Yes. Pepe? The message that he's placed in you is quite different to the message that he might have placed in Helen. The story that he has born in you is, is designed to touch a particular people. Okay? Please do not put on 
a designer shirt and you know the fancy shoes don't try to be all the same it's okay to be different i'm so different it's odd i'm not joking the way that i am when i speak to you here now is not how i am usually for two and a half seriously for two and a half years i could not move okay so we go out to, to um I actually always said to Keith, I'm going to write a book and take photographs and it's going to be called The Places My Husband Parked Me. <laughs> he doesn't mean to do it. So we'd go out to a, a, <laughs> like a conference or a regional leaders meeting, you know, and Keith would wheel me in. And he'd leave, like he'd wheel me in and leave me in the doorway. <laughs> See, I, I, I got very, very strong upper body strength so I, could, so I could learn to drive myself out of the way of doorways. Also to reverse from corners. Cause he, so he, he'd wheel me in and you know, I'd leave me in the doorway or he'd park me somewhere. So it was very difficult for me to get around. So I became a people watcher. I didn't have much choice in that. You know, um, because people are always awkward around wheelchairs. Yeah. You know, the number of times that those pastors came up and wanted to pray for me and get me set free. You know, yeah. like, oh my gosh. You know, one thing I must say, I'm going to throw this in right now. If you see somebody in a wheelchair and God says to you, go and pray for them, ask them what they want. Mm. Don't assume that, that, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to lift them out of that chair. It's really nice when, when somebody comes and asks you when you're in a chair, um, hey, I really feel God wants me to pray for you. What would you like me to pray for you for? Because yeah. I got to the point where I'd just say, no, thank you. Because okay. I just, I just I, you know, like, it wasn't that I didn't believe that God was going to heal me. I just got, you know, like, the, making a big fuss and bother over it. And, the, and I've got to stand up. Well, I can stand up. I can't walk. And everyone's here, hallelujah, she's standing up and I'll let's make her walk and it's like, oh, here we go. And I was quite, um, I got quite hardened. I did. And I got an attitude to pastors. Then I realised I was one of them and I thought, oh my gosh, someone might have an attitude to me. But what I'm trying to say is don't get held in. Don't get held in, please, I'm begging you. Regularly attend church. Regularly, regularly meet together. Regularly bounce off. If someone annoys you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, honestly, do you really want to go through life in this sort of weird existence where everything's perfect all the time? No. There's something really strange about that. You know, if someone annoys you, get over it and, and get to know them. Maybe God wants you to, to, to bring out in them a story that's going to touch your heart. Don't let the enemy hem you in. Don't. Because that's what he tries to do. He corrals us in a building and we get to go there once a month and we think, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm going to get changed. No, you're not. To get changed, you need to have God in life every single day. Yeah. You need to be growing. And if you're not growing, ask yourself why and go and find some fertiliser to make it grow faster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Anyway, how much time have I got? As much as you like. Oh, I just don't want to freak everybody out. Um. <laughs> so, it's a golf I'm learning, guys. Um, expansion is about Ignite Life churches growing in every area. You guys have got a great worship team here. Be blessed. Yeah. Be blessed. 
I have a Cobram church where I have to go there at least once a month and lead worship and I've got our other worship leaders go there because they've got no musicians. And then um, they have a lady there, <laughs> she's actually one of the pastors, and um, she used to teach keyboards. And she decided, okay, there's no worship leader, I'm going to lead worship. Oh my gosh, she can play piano, but she can't sing to save herself. Sorry God, but I know that you've got <laughs> heavenly filters. Heavenly filters. She did it twice, and the church asked if she wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> but it actually tells you the level of personal care that, that she took it well, and the church actually felt, you know, like that they were able to say to please for men, don't lead worship anymore. So she plays keyboards, and it's going well, and that they're learning. But be blessed that you've got a great, um, I'm not talking about just musicality either, I'm talking about the level of heart to reach. Um, the throne room of God. Okay? Why is it dirty? So we are designed by God to grow. We've reached a particular spot where we have five churches and now God wants us to grow even further. Keats and I heart is very, very strongly in the whole idea of, you know, like you have, like I was taught that you get involved in a church and as, as a group of people you follow the leader's vision. He sets the course and you follow his vision and everything you do is about the leader, the leader, the leader. Um, that's what we were taught, but Keith and I actually believe that there is a seed of greatness in each of you. That each of you has been given a God to given a calling by God to fulfil. And and how do we you know, it's our joy as leaders to bring it out in you. Now, there may be times when you join in with what the leader is doing because you have to actually be trained to do some of the things you want to do. But I encourage you, if you have a vision, if you have a calling that God has placed in your heart, it may have been one that, that, that has been placed in your heart that died. That died. Oh my gosh, it died. Word of God, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth its fruit in due time. Just because something isn't working anymore, it's okay. Bring it up again. See what God says. And go and talk to your pastors. Talk to them about it. Share with them. If they think you're loopy, they will tell you. <laughs> I mean, I had a lady who was 73, that, that, oh, 75 actually, and she came and said to me that God had birthed in her a dream to be a dancer. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And you know, at 75, she decided that she wanted to express it. And I'm thinking, man, I'm over people sort of wafting around and because we've been done a lot of churches. I just keep thinking, yes, and I've got a whole bunch of young people and a whole bunch that don't know the Lord and they're going to come to church and you're going to be racing around with banners or scarves or something. Oh my God, and 75, what am I going to do, God? And God said, what on earth are you talking about? Just go and just tell her to join a dance group. <laughs> Duh. So I said, join a dance group. And she said, that's a great idea. Best thing she ever did. She's been living on her own for a long time. So she's with a, an older group of people who do dancing together. And she's made friends. And it's like, honestly, she told me. And I was thinking, <gasps> you know, oh, I've got to give her the, I said to do it, you know. And so now I've got to let her. And my brain's having visions of somebody floating around. Excuse me, if I, I don't want to offend anybody, so if you dance for the Lord and that's the way you do it, that's not what I mean. What I'm feeling is like a 75-year-old lady suddenly decided she wants to dance. What do I do with that? And God gave me the answer. 
do not be afraid. If you've got something in your heart, come to your pastor and, and speak to him. Just because you share the vision, vision with him does not mean it's his, his job to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Whose job is it to fulfill a calling on a person's life? And who else? Sorry, guys, it's your vision. Yeah. It is, it's your vision. It's your calling. You share it with your pastor and you work out ways. I hope that I'm not going to make your job harder. <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's alright. Okay. So, um, run with the vision. If you're going to get on board with something, please, I am begging you, please, do not lag behind and don't slag. Do you know what that means? Don't criticise everything that happens. If you've got a problem with something that's going on, go directly to the person that you're wanting to speak to. And be honest and don't get all narky about it. Just say, I, I feel that this isn't right. Mm -hmm. Don't go telling, oh, you know, I don't think that David's Ainsley's not, oh, you know. Um, have you seen the way that Tamara's been serving that tea? Oh, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. If you have a problem with something, go and talk to them. We have people that come to us all the time because they've got, you know, like they're offended with somebody. And then all else changes because we actually say to people, okay, well, we'll make a meeting with that person and you can talk to them face to face. And suddenly it goes from, oh, uh, no, you know, when, oh, yeah, it's not such a good idea. So you have a message to carry. Figure out what your message is, guys. And the only person who can tell you that is God. You can get together with other leaders. You can get together with one another. Bounce things off one another. Tell each other your stories. You know the best places to tell stories? Life group. Join a life group. Get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're better because when you go to eternity, they'll more than likely be your next door neighbours. <laughs> you like that one? Okay. Open your spiritual eyes. Psalm 119, 18. Yes, Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your Lord. Um, do you know that GPSs make mistakes? Yeah. Yeah. How can I know? I have a friend that lives in Kumanumanu. It's Kumanumanu in, in Victoria. And, and the place where she... Oh, I keep forgetting to use this. And the place where she lives, the, the road that she lives on um, is a road, but there's a paper road. So we're using the GPS and we drive because we've never been there before and it's like in some of the outbacky type. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what outback is, it's like a country area. And we're driving along and we followed the road specifically to where the GPS says and the GPS says turn right. Uh, Keith, there's no road. He said, no, it says turn right. I said, honey, there's no road. He goes, oh, there's no road. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So we rang her up and she said, oh no, that's a paper road. Huh? <laughs> well, it's down with, you know, transport that there's a road there, but there actually isn't a road. Your eyes are what you need opened to see where you're going. It's really, really good to get um, teaching. It's really, really good to get information. It's really, really good to be trained. It's really, really good to, to imbibe off um, pod series. I, I do a lot of listening and stuff like that. But... It's your eyes that actually see the way. 
It's your eyes that need to be open. It's your eyes, it's your spirit that needs to be feeding itself with the Word of God. It's not enough for it to be second-hand all the time. Because second-hand can end you up in the middle of, of the Australian countryside by a, a, a GPS that's saying, turn right onto such and such road, and that road, they ain't no road there. I look, I'm looking, and there's no road. Okay? And it's okay to make mistakes too, but it's still really important that you do it. You, you go seek it out. You, you read your word. You, you find out what God is wanting for your life. Because, you know, you can go, you can go to all, all, the, all the fancy um, conferences and, and, and that are going on everywhere and still come away confused about what it is that you're supposed to be doing. How many people have found that? You know? You go to the Father. You, do you understand that he longs to speak to you? Yeah, yeah. When you ask him a question, it would be really, really polite if you actually gave him the time to answer. <laughs> Father God, why is this happening? Lord, I don't understand. Hallelujah. Hey, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> oh, okay, I'll go and do that. You know, it's like, oh, Father, answer me. We gave him a whole five minutes to answer. You know, have you got any idea how long he called out to you before you answered him? Well. There's a road mapped out for you by the master himself. If you feel um, that you're heading in the general direction but can't quite get your life on the actual route, then seek his face. Seek his face. Yourself, seek his face. Um, nobody knows you as well as your Father in heaven does. Find out your answers from him. How do I hear the voice of God? I'm pretty sure that you've probably preached about that, have you? Not yet? Oh, okay, it's coming up there. Looks like it's a coming up. After go the book and, of Revelation. <laughs> go and ask God where you're supposed to be and what you're doing and then give him time to answer. I, I um, get a lot of dreams and stuff in the night, so I've learned to keep a, a, a pad and pen and paper by my bed. And I quite often, it might just be a word, <clears throat> and I don't know what it's for. Sometimes it's for me, sometimes it's for other people, just by virtue of what I do. But... Ask him to speak to you, then let him, okay? Um, if you feel like, you know, it's funny. The service roads here run parallel with the highway. Yeah. <coughs> They're actually really good service roads, yeah? yeah? Can you get from here to, to Brisbane on service roads? Yeah. Almost, Almost, but not quite. Yeah. Which is faster? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes through, sometimes isn't that funny isn't that funny there's more than one way to kill a cat I'm not calling you a cat there's more than one way to reach the father did you know that there's you know the highway and sometimes there's the byway I got brought up in the byway um where we kind of, we, we lived in a bus for like about six years, on and off. We'd do six months working to raise money so that we could go out in the bus and minister without being a, a burden. We used to work a lot in country towns, and so most country towns don't have the money to support a ministry to come visit them. And so we would do that. <clears throat> for about six years we did it. 
Um, I learned more in that time on how to lead by watching disasters than I did by going to leadership conferences. Do you know that? I, I would see something happen and I'd go, oh my gosh, and I'd note it down and I'd think, I'm never going to do that. Some of your greatest failures in life have been your greatest learning fields. And I'm going to tell you something now. Just because you've failed at something does not mean that you're a failure. In our leadership classes, we speak quite a lot about you have to, if you if you are learning to disciple somebody and then you get, let them go off to do their, their stuff, give them the grace to fail. Because failure can bring about great truths in people that all the teaching in the world can never, ever do. So sometimes it's like with your kids, you know, you want them all to be Einsteins or, you know... Um, the best of the best and then when they aren't you know and they are so disappointed by it and then you know your response to that to that failure for them can can mark them for life and it's the same when you're when you're discipling people when they make mistakes and they fail your response to that can mark them for life and for yourself failure is actually not an evil thing Okay? All it means is that you went to do something that you were meant to do. Yeah. Hallelujah, tick that up. Yes, I'm not supposed to be. But uh, I really, it was funny. Um, <clears throat> this is how I found out that I was a pastor. Okay, um, I had been running from becoming a pastor or even being called a pastor for years. In fact, if you had called me Pastor Pecker at one stage, I'd just go, don't call me that. I'm not a pastor. No. Or I'd go, I'd do the... That's my Mona Lisa smile. Hang on, just keep going. My Mona Lisa smile is the mask that I put on when I think, yeah, whatever. It's terrible, right? It's terrible because we do things like that. We don't mean to, but we do. So um, I was I was in in a um, living in the bus, and our next door neighbour, who was an, uh, an, uh, an unsafe person, had found out that we were going out into the country in the bus. And um, when I lived in the bus, I had four children of my own. My brother had two children. I had a girlfriend who had six at that time, and another girlfriend who had four, and another girlfriend who had six. And I, I used to love doing art day. It was just so much fun. I just loved doing art day with the kids. And so we'd have art day, and I'd have all of these children, and we'd just have crayons and paint and dye and paper and fabric and glue and and all the stuff going at once. And the lady who, who, lived, who lived next door to us came over and she said, you're just like a pastor, <laughs> non-Christian. You're just like a pastor. And I looked and I thought, you know that arrow moment where it doesn't hit there, it hits your heart? It's like my head quite often disagrees with God and just lets things go. But when he hits my heart, I can't deny it. And I suddenly realised, oh my gosh, Peggy, you've been running from this for 20 years and you're such an egg. And I learned that what, your gifting is actually what will come out in you no matter what you do. If you worship, you'll sing a lot. You'll love worship music and you'll sing and you'll sing and you'll sing. If you get disgruntled with God, you may stop singing worship music, but nothing else will ever satisfy the desire that you have to touch something supernatural and it's only worship that will allow you to do it. 
just letting you know. So last but not least. explain to me what he wanted. And he's putting them out and he's going, and I'm going, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You really want to share this with people? So for the next few years, I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but the first part of the vision for Ignite Life Churches is that we double. So another five churches will be planted in the next few years. That's a fact. But that's not all. But God is, that's what we've decided to allow out because we don't want to freak people right out. Another five churches will be planted. Those five churches will be planted through you. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, I said to you, search in your heart and allow God to bring forth the calling that he has on you. Um, I can't say to you that there's a, a formula to do it. All I can say to you that is if you seek God, with all your heart, he will answer you. He does. That's what he does. He longs to communicate with you. He actually likes laughing with you too as well, by the way. That's good. Because, yeah, you know, some of the things I've... One of the things that we did when we had our, our buses, I was saying yesterday, we decided that we wanted to go out and we wanted to feed people soup for free because we wanted to be a blessing and we wanted to go into the poorer parts of... New Zealand and, and go and, and, and give free soup and free food out. So in order to do that, you have to go to the to the council and check to see what laws that you honestly but to redeck the whole bus and stainless that oh we should never we should have just done it actually. <laughs> no, you know, um, sometimes we knew that God wanted us to feed people, but we thought it was soup. Okay, um, and in the because he was speaking to us, and he was saying, "I want you to feed the people, feed the people." Okay, soup, soup's the answer. Soup's the answer to everything. As time has gone by, we actually did. We went out in our bus and we travelled around the country and would stay in country churches, city churches as well. We'd be invited, and um, and we fed people the word of God. But at the time he first said it, you know, oh, feed yeah. the people. Yeah. Soup was my answer. It's funny because we don't. But don't be afraid to try. Try out. He'll tell you if it doesn't work. You know, it kind of comes up and you think, oh, yeah, that's not the one. And it's okay to do that. Last thing I want to talk about, Isaiah 54.2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. And I love the NIV version. I want T-shirts written with it. Don't hold back. You love it? Yeah. I keep thinking there must be like a heavy metal song. Don't hold back. You know, sorry. I like all sorts of music. Don't hold back. You know, lengthen your cords, strengthen your studs. You are created by God to grow. Please grow. If you are not growing and you're feeling stunted and a little bit stilted in the area that you're in, find out why. Because you might need some fertilizer. Yeah. But whatever it is, grow. Grow, 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 grow. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Maybe you'll grow into an area that looks a bit weird. Ah, uh oh, chop that bit off. Sorry, that's what God does. He does, he comes on. As you grow, oh, you're going to love that part, guys. As you grow, 
he'll actually cut bits off that seem to be going really, really well, just so that the fruit that you produce is better quality. You like that one? I didn't like it at the time that it was happening. But, the, but, but God has shown me that, guess what? It's okay. It's okay to try stuff out. Do it. Don't be afraid. Remember that scripture? It's not that he wants us to live in small spaces. It's actually us who are frightened. Take fear and go. I'm going to feel the fear and go forward and do it anyway. The aim of all visions is to grow and to expand. Remember I said to you that biologically speaking, our bodies are meant to grow to a certain point where you actually come to puberty and your body stops actually producing growth hormone. Um, apparently your nose, your feet and your hair? Ears. Ears. Keep growing. Oh. He wanted us all to look different at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to a point when you, re- when you are designed by God to reproduce and mature. Sow yourselves into other people. Sow the stories that God has given you. Take witnessing to a whole level. Doesn't don't go don't tackle people like that guy. You don't need to do that. You can just strike up a conversation. Um, I talk to people in, in on buses, trains, aeroplanes, and stuff like that. You know, you strike up a conversation. I've had I've met some wonderful people that are actually still friends through that that type of I wouldn't call it evangelism. I'm, I quite like listening to people and sharing stories with them. It's okay. Um, Give people the grace to speak to you. Don't lambast them with your story. Okay? Most people, if you listen to them, will listen to you. Um, what are the don'ts of witnessing? If you don't know the answer, guys, don't make it up. Please. Now, one of the things you get caught when somebody asks you a question about the Bible and you don't know the answer, just go, hey, I'm not really sure about that. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll put it down. And if I'm going to meet you again, you know, I'll, I'll find out um, the answer for you. But if, if, you're not, if you don't, you know, if it's a random meeting, just say, look, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't know. It's all right not to know because it got, it, cause God does, okay? Um, and the other thing is pray. Prayer is one of the fertilizers that drives growth. Okay? In yourself, in your family, in your church, in the ability for you to actually expand who you are as a person and what God is calling you to do. Prayer is one of the greatest fertilizers that you can ever possibly use. And the reason that is is because you're connecting with God. Um, there's nothing quite like Connecting with the power that um, created the universe. Okay? Amen, that's good. No, nothing quite like it. Yeah, biggie. You want to grow and connect to that power. Um, don't desire it for selfish gain, because if he gives you what you want, you'll wish you never got it. Seriously. Um, more ministries have toppled because of the desire to have that power to themselves than any other thing. It becomes a pride trip, and um, God is not going to share his glory with nobody. And if your humility is a load of garbage, guess what? He's not stupid. Remember, we serve the God who made us. This is how I work it out. 
He knows everything about us. He's the only one who knows what's going to be on our lips before we say it. So if you're if you're lambasting somebody and, and then you oh, yeah, God is not sucked in. He knows. He knows. So don't play him for a fool because he actually will put up and be gracious to us for quite a long time. His patience is amazing. But if you keep sowing into the, the negative, into the pain, if you keep sowing into, into things that are not of God, you'll actually reap what you sow. Don't do it. And last but not least, be kind to the leaders. Be kind to your leaders. They're not perfect. Very sorry. <laughs> I wish I was. I remember once, I'm going to tell had this guy um, come to our church. He was there for about a year and a half. He seemed to be so godly and prophetically. He was. He just had these amazing prophetic words. Not all the time, but when he did, they were pretty on on the on the knocker, you know. And so we, we gave him a little bit more space. And um, he'd been going for about a year and a half. And then we found out our church started to wobble a little bit figure out why and then we had all these people that had attitudes to us we found out that he'd been going around and he'd just been nitpicking oh did you notice the picker's got a new outfit again on again this summer oh we probably pay too much <laughs> straight comment oh did you notice that Keith's for a boat we're obviously paying too much money um, you, you'd be surprised at the little seeds that, that, or the little foxes that, that have little fires that light things. You know, if you've got a beef with your pastor, go talk to him. Please. <coughs> How's he supposed to know that he's offending you if you, if you don't tell him? But, you know, most of all, go and actually have a relationship. That's that thing why I'm saying come to church on a regular basis. Regular, regular, regular. Because regular is how you get relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships have a tendency to sow into the community around you. Yeah. And people love going places where they feel accepted. And accepted is in a place where people know one another well enough to, to give them the grace to be who they are. Okay? So this guy was going around doing this stuff. And, and um, Keith said, you have to pull him up because you're the, you're the head of the pastoral ministry. So you have to pull him up. And I'm not good at confrontation. I'm probably a lot better at it now because I had to learn to it. And I, I called the guy up and I called him. Uh, I said, would you mind coming to meet me in, in the office? It's not like I can have a coffee with him because he's there. You know, it's like I don't go off and have coffees with guys by myself. It's just not done. And <laughs> cool. Um, that's my paradigm. Not necessarily yours. I'm not trying to put anything on anyone. Um, so he came to the office and he came in and... and um, sat down and we talked and I said to him, look, I have had reports from people that you were saying this and you were saying that and you were saying this and he totally lost it at me. I was, I had to have one of the young guys in our, young ladies now, to come in to me because he got quite, he was verbally quite abusive and, and he was starting to raise his hand to me. I mean, he didn't know that I was a ninja and I could have flattened him with five <laughs> But I'm not allowed to do that because I'd get in jail. No, I'm not a ninja. But of course, I got really angry. But a younger, one of our young guys came in, settled him down, 
And I said, look, I am so sorry that I have offended you because I, there is nothing in my heart that would ever possibly want to do that to you. He said, well, you have, and blah, 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 blah. And he went away, and um, we called a meeting of the people who actually said it and said, look, I want you guys to meet together, and I want this guy to come because if you're lying, I'm, I'm not putting up with it. Not putting up with it. This is crazy stuff. So we had a meeting, and he never turned up. And it turned out that yes, he was doing all this stuff. And I felt really bad for him because um, he'd been trying to fit in, but his natural negativeness just it overrode his good sense. I get this crazy email. He left the church. A lot of, went and complained to our, our, lead, our elders, complained to the movement, the regional leaders. Oh no, sorry, because Keith was doing that. No, so he went to the next dude up or whatever and um, complained about us, and they did a, you know, checked us out to make sure we weren't kooky and all the rest of it. And I get, a, I get an, a, an email, oh no, a text, he sent me a text about three months after all this nonsense had happened, and he broke my heart. I just couldn't believe the stuff that he said. But one thing just totally blew my mind. He said that, that through our ministry we had spiritually raped him. And I just, I just, I have got no idea what that means, but whatever it is, it broke me inside. I felt so gross. I just did, I had no idea what it was. And, and, and I just couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over it. I actually went to visit a, a senior pastor who's my mentor. She's a senior pastor in Melbourne. And I said, oh my gosh, Laurie, I don't know what to do with this. It's like I, I, it, it echoes in my head all day long. You know, Peck, look what you've done. How could you do that? Oh, and I, I was crying myself to sleep at night, asking God for forgiveness, and I didn't know what it was. I just didn't know what it was. And she said, he's put a spirit on you. And, and, and you're feeling guilty, but you don't know why. Because you didn't do anything. And she said, it's, it's a spirit of domination. When you're leading and you're doing stuff with people, be very careful. I should have just sent him back a message and said, you need to seek God's face because there's something wrong with you. But I sent nothing back because it, it was like a spear that came out of nowhere. As leaders, as people of God, as children, as followers of Christ, as disciples, as worship leaders, as team leaders, whether you do children's work, whether you do nothing in the church at all except come, this is what your job is. I cannot scream it loud enough. You are to point the way to God. This is, this is our mandate, to point the way to God. And with that, I'd like to pray. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name that with all the stories and the stuff I've said that, Lord, there'll be something in there for everybody here that will touch their hearts, that will act like a fertiliser to the seed that you have planted in their life, and that, Lord God, they would grow. That Gold Coast Pimpana, Gold Coast Ignite Life Church would grow and overflow and spread out the word of God, that Lord, we as your people, we as your beloveds, would love you enough to let you in, Lord God. Would love you enough to allow you to rearrange the furniture inside us 
to suit you. Not us, but to suit you. We love you enough, Lord God, to guide us on the road that you yourself have planned for us. We love you enough to actually spend time with you and getting to know you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.